Hello, loyal listeners. Stephanie from the Dub Talk Podcast here. Just a quick note about this episode as well as a few others. The early episodes of Dub Talk were a vlog series originally called Lilac Talks Dubs. They were for an anime review channel I had a few years ago before converting it to the Dub Talk channel full time. This episode is the audio from one of those videos. Please bear with the quality and the lack of information. These are very early on and are extremely rough, but we didn't want to exclude them from the RSS feed. If you want to check out the original videos, you can find them on DubTalk's YouTube channel. Thanks so much for your support, and I hope you enjoy. Hello, one and all, and welcome to Lilac Talks Dubs, where every episode I either tackle a recent dub announcement or I take on a previously reviewed series and talk about its recently added dub. Today I'm actually going to be backtracking to the huge broadcast dub announcement that Funimation made a couple months ago and tackle three more series that are part of phase two of the dub initiative this season. Today we're going to be playing with, okay, let's see, bears, dragons, and owls. That's right, guys. We're going to be talking about the dub announcements for Yurikuma Arashi, Yon of the Dawn, and Maria the Virgin Witch. As always, how this is going to work is I'm going to give you my predictions for each of the cast members that I thought of uh, who was actually cast in those shows, uh, slash my opinions on them. And since this is a <laughs> wonderful little... Uh, dub, broadcast dub kind of thing. I did get to see some of the first episodes of these new dubs, so I will be giving you my first impressions of them. So I think, yeah, let's get started with it. So the first uh, series I'm going to be talking about is Yorikuma. Uh, this one's definitely an interesting one for a couple of different reasons, mainly because um, the director of Yorikuma in Japan is um, Ikuhara, who previously has directed Revolution Ego Utena, as well as um, Penguin Drum and some of the original Sailor Moon. Now, what makes this interesting is because the dubs that seem to come out of it, uh, Revolution Girl Utena isn't exactly a great dub from what I can tell. Um, that one is more pro though of a product of the late 90s, early 2000s dubs though, so I can't fault it too much, but I need to finish the show anyway. As for Penguin Drum, I didn't even bother watching Penguin Drum when I was reviewing it a couple years ago because I was told to avoid that dub like the plague and people have told me several times that that dub is terrible. And that is a Sentai Filmworks dub done by Stephen Foster, if I remember correctly. So there's your issue there. So when the news came out um, that Yurikuma was licensed, was picked up by um, Funimation for simulcasting and then for dubbing, people are definitely excited about it because at least we know we're going to get a decent freaking dub from Funimation. But whether or not it's going to be a really good one was left up for debate. Starting off with the director and scriptwriter. Um, with these two, at least with the directing side of it, I felt that Yurikuma wasn't going to be as high a profile series that you're going to get a very, very well-known director like uh, Mike McFarlane coming in on this one. Um, I felt like it wasn't that high of a profile show in order to warrant that. And as a scriptwriter, I didn't even bother trying to figure something out with that. So the ADR, ADR director is Christopher Bevins and the scriptwriter is Jamie Markey. Um, Christopher Bevins has been around for a while. He's um, done a variety of things, both vocal work as well as ADR and scripting. Um, some of his um, uh, directing credits could include Back Mongolian Chop Squad, Devil's a Part-Timer, uh, Hitalia the Beautiful World, there's also Carnival, there's also Last Eggs on Famous for Wing, there's Michiko on Hachan, uh, Princess Jellyfish. He did a variety of work, but he also did um, some that I'm not exactly thrilled about that he did. Uh, those being Cat Planet Cuties, uh, the Heaven Lost, Heaven's Lost Property franchise, and um, Witchblade. Those are kind of iffy to me, um, but I haven't seen those, so I don't exactly have a hundred percent like, oh my god, they're terrible, die, um, that kind of mentality. But I felt like this would be a pretty good show for Bevins to cover, based on like, because some of the shows that I've seen him direct, at least. They are pretty good. As for Jamie, she's um, she's done quite a few script writing credits actually. Uh, she's done script credits for Blood Sea as well as the film script for Devils of Part Time as well as Hitalia. So that kind of explains the partnership for Bevins and Marquis right there, which is pretty good. Kamisama Kiss, the first season, and she is also working on the second season as well. Panthea Stocking with Garterbelts. Some episodes of Sergeant Frog that are out sporadic. Uh, as well as some episodes of Space Dandy and Spice and Wolf. Um, so she has a good amount of credits in there as well uh, for script writing. And I, so I feel that this partnership, 
especially since the two of them have worked together on a few um, projects before. I feel like this partnership is going to be fine. I'm going backwards in the cast like I normally do nowadays. Um, I'm going to start with the three, uh, the only three male characters that we have in the show. So I'm going to start with Life Sexy, Life Beauty, and Life Cool. Uh, I only actually had four predictions for the entire cast. Three of them were these three characters, actually. The last one was for Kareha, um, which we'll get to. Now, for Life Sexy, I originally predicted Ian Sinclair. Uh, Life Cool, I predicted Josh Greeley and Life Beauty. I originally predicted Greg Ayers on this. Ian for Life Sexy. It's one of those ones, and I keep saying this whenever I predict him as something, it's one of those ones where I want to see him try something different. I want to see him go in that direction. I see him as a huge voice acting chameleon, I've said this a few times already, and um, I mean, Otohiko, Dandy, Brooke, um, those are several ones that he does different voices for those, pretty much. I definitely wanted to see him take this on. I mean, it's not as flamboyant as Kamisama Kisses Otohiko, but it's also not a very manly character. It's more of a sexy, sensual kind of character to an extent. I mean, he's life sexy after all. Um, Greeley and Life Cool, I felt, would be a fun, more intellectual kind of character to play. Because Life Cool is kind of more the intellect um, of the trio. Even though he gets shot down on several occasions. And um, I wanted Greeley to, to play that one and see what we can come up with there. Because um, he has done the intellectual characters before. I mean, Armin from Attack on Titan is the big one here. And then as for Life Beauty and Greg Ayers, I felt that Greg, just his vocal tone and his range would just match with the character Raptor well. Um, but I was wrong with all three of these. Because um, the people who are actually playing them, Life Sexy is voiced by T J. Michael Tatum, Life Cool is voiced by Christopher Bevins, and Life Beauty is voiced by Josh Greeley. I'm pretty sure that now every time I predict Ian Sinclair or something, I have to predict Tatum as a second choice. Because this is like the third time this has happened. It happened with Rei from Free and then Sukiyama from Tokyo Ghoul. This is the third time it's happened to me. So I may have to start putting Tatum as like a second choice if I feel like it's a Tatum character that I really want Sinclair to play. With Tatum, I know it's probably going to work here. Um, this is a kind of show, uh, this Yurikum is definitely a kind of show that I could see him working on, that's for sure. Light, as it is life sexy, I feel like it's going to be fun for him. And some of the mannerisms and stuff that sexy says is definitely going to be interesting. Um, I mean, like, shabadadu, for God's sake. Uh, that one's going to be fun. Um, life cool, because I completely had forgotten um, what Bevins has done, so I had... There are some voice actors that I don't remember things from that we haven't that I haven't discussed um, previously in Dub Talk videos, so I had to pull some stuff up. Um, for Bevins, he has done Japan from Italia, uh, Yogi from Carnival, Fastener from Pantene Stocking with Garter Belt, so basically the evil equivalent to Garter Belt, if I remember correctly. Um, that's an interesting one, by the way. Um, Rikushio from Romeo X Juliet. He's done a lot. But um, definitely, definitely Bevins is capable of pulling off the intellectual characters, I believe. So I don't think this one's going to be a problem for him. And as for Josh, this is actually, oddly enough, similar to the Ian Sinclair, J. Michael Tatum situation. This is the second time where it's like, if I predict one person, it's actually the other. Because um, with here, here with Yuri Kuma, I predicted Greg Ayers and it's Josh Greeley. But with Free, I predicted Josh Greeley and it was Greg Ayers. So it kind of... Kind of makes sense and lines up rather well here. Um, and I feel like Greeley's gonna be perfectly fine here uh, with Life Beauty. So I don't see any issues um, with it coming in. I'm gonna put the next two together that are on this list. Uh, Yurika, who is the principal of the school that Kareha attends, and Sumika, who is um, a love interest, kind of, for Kareha, who uh, unfortunately dies at the end of the first episode. Not much of a spoiler there, um, but she does come visiting in um, throughout the throughout the series through different flashbacks and brings different story elements and stuff into that into the show so um, those two are rather important here um, I didn't have any predictions for these two for Yurika uh, it's Colleen Clunkenbeard uh, whom you probably know by now but I don't think we previously discussed her here um, Colleen two really really well-known roles for her um, are uh, Luffy from One Piece and Urza from Fairy Tale, but she's also done a variety of other things. She's currently also 
uh, with the broadcast steps for Rolling Girls, uh, both as a director and as a character. Uh, and I want to say she's doing World Break, but I am probably wrong. Colleen's rather well known, she's been around for a while. Um, and then for Sumika, this person, her name is Elaine Wagner. She's a brand new voice actress because this is the first role she's ever gotten, according to Anime News Network and a bunch of other sources. She is brand new. So this is actually interesting. This one, I mean, you're to come okay with with Colleen. I have no issue. Elaine Wagner as um, Sumika. That is the interesting one for me here. Since this is her first role ever, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. Because, um, I mean, Learning Curve exists. But luckily, this is a broadcast dub, so this isn't even a final product. So to see someone brand new coming in here, like very, very brand new, it's interesting because at least with like Assassination Classroom, like we previously just like previously talked about, um, there are some new voice actors, but they at least had two or three other voice acting roles before taking something on like this. Elaine, brand new, has never done any voice acting before, so it's definitely gonna be interesting to see that. Um, next uh, is going to be Lulu. I'm leaving the last three separate. Uh, Lulu. Lulu is definitely more of a hyperactive, uh, peppy, hyper kind of girl. Um, rather spastic at times. And uh, Lulu is voiced in this dub by Jamie Marquis. Which, this is the point where I start getting really kind of confused. And like, what? It's not that I don't like Jamie. I'm, but my problem is I'm more used to roles that Jamie's done, similar to uh, Soul Eater, where she's one of the Thompson sisters. Um, let's see, Panty from Panty Stocking with Garbelt, even the Mysterious Woman from Death Parade. Those are the kinds of roles that I'm more used to from Jamie. So to see her as Lulu is going to be definitely very, very different for me to see. I know that it's not going to be those um, kind of roles that I gave you examples of. It's not going to be that. Um, she has to bring the vocal tone up a bit, but she also has to make the character younger because this girl is, in, is like high school age. So she has to try and make the character younger as well as bring the um, range of her vocals up a little bit higher in a different octave. Um, so it'll be interesting to see that happen um, and see what comes out of that. But it's for her as well as um, one other character that I'm going to get to in like two seconds, it's going to be a big adjustment period uh, for me to deal with here. Which I guess leads me into Ginkgo because um, Ginkgo is the other one that I was a little bit iffy, that I'm very iffy about. And it's probably going to be another adjustment period, because um, Ginkgo is voiced by Monica Rial. Now, Monica, I'm very, very used to at this point a lot of Moe type characters, but I know she's capable of playing very, very different ones. Um, Haruka from Razafan is a big one. Uh, Michiko from Michiko and Hachan. I know she's capable of pulling off that kind of stuff, but similar to Jamie, um, she has to play a younger role which normally she's capable of doing, which turns into the Moe kind of Monica performances. However, Ginko is not a Moe character. That's the tricky part we're gonna be having with here. I feel like it's gonna be more of an adjustment period to, as well, especially with some of the stuff that Ginko goes through throughout the series. Because as of recording this, I am at least caught up um, to episode 10, I believe. But it's definitely going to be um, very, very different compared to anything I've seen or done. For her and Jamie as these two characters is going to take some adjustment period of time for me. The last character obviously that was announced was Kareha Subaki, uh, our main character. I did have a prediction for this one and I originally thought it was going to be Bryn April um, because Bryn has this soft spoken voice that we've seen many times at this point uh, with Attack on Titan, Red Data Girl. Uh, what else is she doing? She's doing Defrag, which by the way, a trailer finally came up for Defrag in this English dub and I'm excited for her to play Roka. It works really nicely, by the way. So seeing her as Kureha would have been something interesting for me, however that is not the case. Um, instead we have Alexis Tipton coming in as Kureha. And this is one I'm perfectly fine with. Um, Tipton, we don't, we haven't exactly talked about her that much uh, in terms of dub talk videos. Tipton is well known for being these rather peppy girls, but occasionally she can play darker stuff too. Um, Guilty Crown is probably a good example of this, even though the show is not exactly that great. But she's also done Baka and Test. She is a small character from um, Kamisama Kiss, which she's currently reprising that role a little bit in the second season. But I think with Tipton here as Kureha, I think it's going to be perfectly fine. There's not going to be any issues with it. Um, and I think it's definitely going to be a good fit uh, for uh, her and her, uh, for Tipton and her, um, 
vocal range and I'm very excited to see how that goes. As far as impressions go, because I did watch the first episode of the broadcast dub, I did write a few notes down and I'm just gonna go bit by bit uh, with those notes and kind of explain stuff. So first thing I wrote down is I loved um, Elaine Wagner's first outing, um, despite the learning curve. Um, I think her role, her um, vocal performance of Sumika for that first episode was really good. I enjoyed it a lot and it was a surprise to see that despite that learning curve, she manages to pull out something as great as this. Um, at this point, I feel like it's only going to grow from here, um, and it'll be fun to see where that goes. The second note I wrote down was um, that Tipton and Clunkenbeard, um, I believe right now, are really good fits for Kureha and Yurika. They um, seem really natural. With Tipton, she got to play around a little bit more because you follow her more um, than you do Yurika. It's definitely a good fit. And for Colleen, I know it's going to be good for her as Yurika, and I'm excited to see where she takes um, Yurika's character and progresses with it. Because Yurika, for lack of a better word, can be a little bit nutty, a little crazy sometimes, so it'll be fun to see how that goes. The next is actually not necessarily a, a note on like critiquing the, the um, dub. More about um, another voice actress that I found out was a part of this dub because she was not a part of the initial announcement, but that's more because um, the character you only see very, very little of throughout the series. I think you see her in the first few episodes, and I know she did come up again later on. Um, and that's Mitsuko. And um, I figured out that it was Caitlyn Glass voicing that character, and I feel like that one is a solid fit for her. And it's gonna be, for Caitlyn, it's gonna be a lot of fun to see her play with that role a little bit more, um, considering some of the some of the secrets that Mitsuko has. I wrote down, my next note was that the boys of the show were wonderful, so that, so Tatum, Bevins, and Greeley, I wrote down they were wonderful, and I had actually to pause, I actually had to pause a couple times during the Yuri trial, the first Yuri trial, because I could not stop laughing, um, hearing, because they did keep um, some of the sound effects, like speaking sound effects. Um, that the that Japanese did, that they put that, they did do that in the English. So, um, you hear the growl growl, you hear the, um, sniff sniff, and in the case of the boys, you hear beauty say sparkle sparkle. And for Tia specifically in Life Sexy, they kept the shabba da do. Um, so the sparkle sparkle and the shabba da do. <laughs> I, um, had to pause because I was laughing so much at that. And, um, with Bevins, I thought it was a fun fit too, and he ca and the three of them played off of each other really well. Which, at the same time, speaking of those um, sound effect noises, the growl growl and the sniff sniff, I'll admit it was a little bit weird. Um, I'm glad that they kept that um, from between the Japanese and the English. It was just a little weird to me to actually hear it um, in a dub, because I think this is one of the first times I've really heard something like this, unless there's a show where the character is, a, is an animal character that does not take human form at any point in time. So... I will say that's a little weird to me. I think, as I mentioned before, um, for Riel and Marhi, um, who are Ginko and Lulu, I was very iffy on them. The first episode didn't, didn't help that at all. Um, I'm still very, very iffy. I can see it working. It's just going to take a bit more adjustment period time for me. But I would think, I believe, out of the entire first episode of that dub, uh, I think those two are the weakest out of the two. Um, mostly probably because of the reasons I said before, so it's going to be a little bit difficult to see um, how that goes and see what direction that goes from here on out. Um, I think, again, I think it can be done, it's just going to take some time to fit, make that fit and adjust it. Another thing I found really interesting was that some, of the par some parts of the show aren't dubbed while others are. Um, a prime example of this, they kept the Japanese uh, version of Bear Shock. It's they kept Kuma Shock. They kept that. Um, but with Yurikuma, there there's a small thing. If you watch the show, right before the opening theme, where um, Ginko and Lulu, I realized they are the ones who yell the Yurikuma Arashi a little bit, and they did get Monica and Jamie to do that, um, which was really weird to me. Uh, seeing that, and then like you have the Kuma shock that it was kept there, but I think for the Kuma shock they kept it mostly for the sake of the vocals and how it really really fit and it was really really a standout definitive moment compared to the Yuri Kuma bit, but it was still really weird to me. Overall, I think it's heading in a great direction. Uh, there are really good performances to me and then there are the weaker ones. 
But um, I feel like it's doing pretty good so far. It's gonna take some adjusting for some things here and there, but I think we're on the right track here, and I'm very excited to see where Yudikuma goes, as well as finishing Yudikuma, uh, the simulcast of it, in the next couple weeks. So we'll see what happens there. The next show um, I'm gonna be talking about is Yon of the Dawn. Um, that one is actually really interesting because as previously mentioned before um, in the last dub talk video, they're only, doing the, they're only dubbing the second half of Yon of the Dawn. I believe the dub started at episode 14 this week uh, and this past week anyway and it's it's not exactly the best place to start it um, because where, where they started is smack dab in the little arc of where they meet Shinha uh, the blue dragon so it's really weird and they're calling that from that point on to like the end of the uh 24 episode run that part season two which is completely inaccurate because the 24 episodes that is season one in and of itself it's definitely weird and different to see something like that um and it doesn't make much sense to do the second half of yona i mean i get it it's one of the more popular properties i'm very excited to see a death happen but i feel like it would have been a lot a lot better to see um Yona dubbed from the beginning because I mean like that show is one of the only properties that they had gotten from the fall season that crossed that crossed over into winter um, I mean the other one I that could have possibly had it um, this happened to was Garo the animation but I feel with Yona starting at that episode 14 is the wrong place to start the show in terms of dubbing it because you're just smack dab in the middle of it and for some people who really just want to watch just the dubs it's going to be difficult for them to be starting smack in the middle and not know what's going on. Um, so they might have to backtrack to that first, that beginning or even wait until a final product comes out. So it's definitely difficult to really pick and gauge that. This one is another small announcement. Um, there was only five or six characters that were announced as well as director, assistant director, and scriptwriter. So I'm going to start with uh, the scriptwriter actually on this one. Um, because there is an assistant ADR director, I'm going to leave them together with the director. Scriptwriter on this one is Monica Rial. Um, Rial is previously, dis previously discussed, we've talked about her before, because she is um, the, one of the scriptwriters for Tokyo Ghoul. Um, this is not going to be an issue, I believe. I think Monica's going to be doing perfectly fine with this. Um, she's also done various other scripts for other shows before. Um, so I believe that Monica's going to do really well with Yona in the script. So. Yeah, no issues with Monica on this. And then for ADR director and assistant ADR director, this is a fun one here. ADR director is Colleen Clunkenbeard, and assistant ADR director is Clifford Chapin. Now, Colleen, um, Colleen and Clifford, this is actually the second time we're seeing the two of them together in directing positions for the second broadcast dub for another broadcast dub here, um, because both of them are actually director and assistant for Rolling Girls. Uh, so it's interesting to see this team up again coming here. Um, but at the same time, it's also great to see that because the two of them are working together. And um, for Chapin, she's, he gets at least to have the chance to stick with one director and work on multiple shows and get as much experience as he can and creating a really good partnership with Colleen. And I would think, I would think the fact that Chapin is assisting with both these shows shows a lot about him and how well Colleen trusts him um, with this work. And what also what's also gonna help with both of them working on this. While one could be directing Rolling Girls, the other could be in the middle of directing Yona the Dawn. So this can work really well, um, back and forth. And knowing what the, their set goal for those for the dub is, they can go back and forth and do this really well. So going backwards in cast, um, these are basically gonna be individual at this point. Um, Sue Won. Uh, Sue Won is a very interesting one. Um, he is, I believe, Yona's cousin, who kills her father in the beginning of the show. Not much of a spoiler, don't yell at me for it. Um, and then becomes the king, um, of the land, essentially. Um, so, at least with this one I had full predictions. Uh, Sue Won, I initially thought it was gonna be Josh Greeley. I felt that Josh Greeley is capable of playing both sides of Sue Won's character rather well. So he can do both the rather happy, slightly oblivious kind of Suwon, but also the very intellectual and slightly darker one that we see very, very, rather often um, with the show. But we don't have that. Um, instead, Suwon is actually played by Micah Solasad. Now, Micah Solasad, he's also rather capable of playing both sides. Um, it's just going to be 
very different than what I imagined in terms of vocal tone and quality. Um, because if you put Solasad and Greeley like next to each other and you hear them talk, very, very different between the two. But I am sure that Solasad can pull off Suwon rather well, because um, he's also capable of playing both sides. Uh, I mean, if you want an example of the uh, more happy, energetic kind of oblivious slightly character, I would say Musiki from Kamisama Kiss is a good example here. Um, and then the darker one, um, though the show isn't exactly fantastic, um, I would definitely say uh, Rei Ogami from Codebreaker and maybe Gai Susugami from Guilty Crown. Um, those would probably be really good examples of the darker side. And there's also Soul from Soul Leader who's, who plays both sides pretty well as well in that one show. So I feel like Soul Sod is more than capable of doing this here. Next, oh lordy lordy lordy, I'm gonna, pardon me. Um, is Shinha, which we did, we talked about for like two seconds. Um, Shinha is the blue dragon, uh, and who we meet at the beginning of this broadcast now. And he's, Shinha is rather soft-spoken and quiet and very, very adorable. Um, initially, ironically enough, I actually originally predicted Michael Solasad to be Shinha, because I thought it would be something very, very different and much more adorable for him to play with. Um, I mean, because Mitsuki from Kamisama Kiss is a good one for him, but I wanted to hear a very, much more quiet um, Mika Solasad, because that is what Shinha is. He's a very, very quiet person. Um, he speaks sometimes, but even then his voice is really, like, rather timid and rather quiet. So. That's what I want to see Solasad play with. But obviously since Solasad is Suwon, that means my prediction is wrong. Uh, instead, for, for Shinha, uh, it's Eric Vale. And I did not expect this one. Um, I actually expected him for something else. And so seeing him here as Shinha, I'm very excited. Because Shinha is actually my favorite character of Yona the Dawn. So to see him play that, is very, very interesting to me. I mean, I do know at the very least that Vale is capable of being a lot more soft-spoken and quiet, even though you would not realize that, because um, he did play Yuki Soma from Fruits Basket, and that's similar, um, at least in vocal quality, um, to Shinha to an extent. I think the, I think it'll be fine for Vale to be Shinha here, and I'm very excited to see where it goes, because um, I'll get to my impressions in a few minutes. Um, next on the list is Yoon. Yoon is the beautiful Bishonen boy genius. I initially had two predictions. One male voice actor, one female. I picked one of each because Yoon, in the Japanese, he is voiced by a female seiyuu. And there is, there is a point in the show where that female voice comes out because Yoon does dress up as a girl, as a part of a plan, um, when we reach uh, the Jeha arc, um, we first meet him. So there's, that's the reason why I picked one of each. Um, initially, I picked um, Aaron Dismuke and Brina Palencia for these. These two are my two picks. Um, Brina, obviously, because she's capable of playing the little boy role we've seen over and over again. Um, Dismuke, on the other hand, I just felt like his vocal quality could fit really rather well with the character. Because um, uh, if you may not know, Aaron Dismuke is, uh, originally voiced Alphonse Elric in the 2003 Fullmetal Alchemist. But he's also done much more since then, because we have... Who do we have? We have... He was in Carnival. He was also in... I know he was also in uh, Demo Wonderland. I felt that either Aaron or Rena would probably be good fits, but I was wrong. <laughs> wrong! Um, but I am very excited for this one, because um, Clifford Chapman is taking on Yoon. Um, and Chapman, I'm slowly growing to really, really like his work a lot more. Um, I mean, after being introduced to him um, as Connie in Attack on Titan, and um, slowly but surely I'm learning more about him and his work, because um, he's still fairly new, he doesn't have a lot of credits to his name. Um, since then, I mean, he's currently voicing Hide from um, uh, Tokyo Ghoul, and so far that one has been going rather well. He's also doing Moraha from um, World Break, which I saw the first episode of, and I think his performance was probably one of the best, along with um, Jade Saxton's performance in there. So he's definitely doing a lot more. He's slowly working his way there. The only thing I'm very interested to see what happens and how he's going to handle it is that cross-dressing moment that Yoon has in the show, um, which 
Um, when the announcement came up, I did tweet him about it, and I, t I told him I hoped that he was ready, Mr. Beautiful, be sure boy. And um, with a picture of uh, Yona and Yoon with Yoon cross-dressing as a girl. And he responded to that saying that um, he's actually been working on that voice and trying to figure that out. So it makes me very excited to see what direction that's going to go and how he's going to handle all that. Um, Chapman's a very, is such a sweetheart, by the way. I'm pretty sure he's one of the few voice actors who responds to my tweets. Monica's another one as of recent, but still. My point, my point is, I'm excited to see Chapman here. The next one we have from the announcement is Gija. He is the white dragon. My initial prediction for Gija uh, was actually Jerry Jewel. I felt that Jerry Jewel could pull something like off this off rather, rather well. Um, and I thought it would be something fun for him to do, something to play with. And I had honestly had yet to see him come up um, in a broadcast dub this season. Um, so I felt that this would be something that he could play with and have fun with. But um, it's not Jerry Jewel. We're actually, he's actually in the last show we're talking about today. Instead, surprised by this, it's Ian Sinclair who's taking on Gija. First of all, I've been wondering where the hell this person has been throughout the broadcast up season. Because you can't really count Otohiko's com from Kamisama Kiss all that much. Because um, I predicted him all over the place in some of the new shows, but this is the first new one that I've seen him taking part in. So I'm excited to see where this is going to go. Gija is definitely more comedic. He has a serious moments, serious and badass moments, but he's very comedic. And um, I'm very, very excited to see how Ian Sinclair is going to take this one and see where he's going to go with it. Hawk is the next one. I'm just going to say this right now, my original prediction was Ian Sinclair. Obviously he's uh, Gija, that's not happening. Hawk was the most difficult one that I had to predict, to pr predict because Hawk is a manly character, but I didn't want to go the predictable, stereotypical route. Um, I felt that Sinclair could work with it and create a different kind of um, character than what we have seen in the Japanese version. But obviously, being predictable has is what's gonna work here. Because instead of Sinclair, because obviously he's Gija, it's Christopher Sabat. And another one I've been wondering where the hell he's been hiding this broadcast up season. Because the only thing he's been announced for so far is um, Jason from Tokyo Ghoul. But we don't really see Jason in season two. So it's not much point. So he hasn't really done anything this season. And um, so we have him here as Hawk. Very, very predictable. I don't know how to feel about it. Um, it's, it's probably gonna work. I'm probably not gonna have any issues with it later. It's just, it just seemed too easy to pick him as that. And I'm kind of like, <sighs> um, I mean, I think it's gonna work. I don't see any huge problems with it. It's just that, uh, it's just that, Hawk, my main problem is that, similar to um, Ginko and Lulu from Yurikuma, is that Hawk is a lot younger than what Sabbat actually is. And um, in order for this to really work, I'm, I was, I'm kind of hoping that he kind of tries to make the character sound at least moderately younger. Because if I remember correctly, Hawk is either 17 or 18 in the show. So he's a lot younger than how old Sabbat is. And so that's going to be the tricky part here, trying to see if he's going to play it younger or if he's just going to play it rather gruff and rather manly. And then lastly is Yona, of course. Yona is the last one who was announced, obviously. This is one where I had three possibilities. Um, one of the only ones where I had more than one prediction. Um, the three that I had picked um, were Caitlin Glass, Bryn Apparel, and Jeremy Lee. Those three are the ones that I had picked. And I felt like each of them could bring something different to Yona's character. However, with Jeremy at the very least, it wasn't going to happen. I knew that much because she's in LA now and she's spending more time there. So the likelihood of her being a part of that was very slim to none. So Jeremy was already out. Um, so I left Caitlyn and Bryn. Uh, and Bryn, I hadn't seen her really much at all this broadcast of seasons. I don't know if she's been busy with something else um, or if she's just, I don't know what's going on. So that left Caitlyn and Caitlyn, she's already taking part in several others and I believe she's also directing, I believe she's also either directing or scriptwriter for the Absolute Duo broadcast of. I kind of felt that Caitlyn, Caitlyn I think might have been the best option to go with Fiona, at least out of my three predictions. Um, but completely wrong. Again, um, 
It's actually Monica Real as Yona, which is the second one out of this group I'm kind of iffy about. This is the second time I've run into a Monica role for the broadcast dubs where I'm like, what? Um, it's a little confusing to see this, and I don't exactly know how to feel about it. It's gonna be like Ginkgo, another adjustment period of time, but I think what the big thing that I'm figuring out is that Monica's actually really, really busy this season with broadcast dubs, because um, she's... what does she have? She is a part of Rolling Girls. She's in Rolling Girls. I, she may be doing the script for that as well. She's the script, one of the script writers for Tokyo Ghoul, alongside Greeley. Um, she's also in Yurikuma, she's in Yona, she's in Assassination Classroom. She's doing a lot this season, and I don't know if that's going to affect the performance of at least the broadcast dub. Um, I, it'll probably be better by the time we get the final product later on, maybe later this year maybe, or the next year. Um, but this is going to be rather interesting to see happen. And before I get to my impressions of um, episode 14, um, the first broadcast dub episode, I actually want to talk about a couple other characters that were not announced. Um, one I thought was going to, the other one, obviously we don't have anything for yet, because technically as of now, he's not going to make his appearance until the last episode of the 24th. So, which is annoying to me. It also makes me think, uh, yeah, you need a second season, buddy, in order to make this work. Um, which, I'm hoping there's gonna be a second season. Please let there be one, that'll be, make me very happy. Um, so, the two that I want to talk about briefly are J-Hot and Zeno, um, the green and the yellow dragons. Um, cause J-Hot we're gonna run into in the next couple of episodes in the broadcast of anyway. And Zeno, again, he's at the last episode of um, the series so far. And I initially made some predictions for both of them, but then after the casting I had to rethink them because my initial predictions were both cast somewhere else. Um, my initial predictions, uh, J-High was originally looking at Eric Vale to play, and um, Zeno I initially looked at Clifford Chapin. And since both of them are Shinya, Shinha, and uh, Yoon, obviously I have to rethink this. I actually have some new predictions. For J-High, this one is a tricky one to figure out, um, because he is the lover boy kind of character um, who who's into beauty and all this romantic kind of stuff but he's also rather deeper in tone not exactly manly but you can, you can kind of see what I'm getting at here so my I only have one new prediction um, for Jeha and that's Robert McCollum I feel like he can pull this one off rather well I mean he's Jalal is kind Jalal from Fairy Tale is similar um, to uh, Jeha to an extent except some of Jeha's manners are completely different but I feel like Jalal's voice is similar to what I would think um, Jiha could, could be. Um, as for Zeno, I have three predictions. Obviously we don't know what, what Zeno sounds like at this point, at least at the time of recording this. But um, originally, uh, like I said, I want to Chapin. But uh, my first prediction for Zeno is Josh Greeley, since he since my prediction of Subum was completely wrong. And then I also have Todd Habercorn, Aaron Disk, Mukiti in there. I feel like the three of them could pull, but just by the look of the character, and by what, by what the few um, mannerisms and slight visuals of personality are like, I feel like one of these three could fit um, that role and do it rather well. But I won't know until I actually hear him in the last episode for the first time. So yeah, those are my new predictions for those two roles because I'm annoyed that J-Hell wasn't announced and very much annoyed that Zeno didn't even come until the end of the series. Oh my god, Yona the Don needs a second season so badly. Just so bad. Really, really bad. <laughs> As for first impressions of the Yona broadcast up so far, first and foremost, I was instantly sold on Vale, Chapman, and Sinclair as Shinha, Yoon, and Gija. Vale especially, because those first two minutes of that episode um, is a monologue for Shinha. And I was sold so instantly. Um, from Vale because it's not 100% Yukisoma, but it's still rather quiet and along that direction and very very timid because Yukisoma is not that timid um, But in compared to Shinha. So with Vale as Shinha, I was instantly sold within that two minutes um, Chapin as Yoon instantly sold after a few lines especially the lines where he's like calling himself a uh, boy genius and the Beautiful will be shouting like I don't want to die that whole thing. I can't remember the line exactly those are the ones where I was fully convinced and I was sold on so far. Again, it's going to be interesting to see how the cross-dressing bit comes into play and what he's going to plan to do with that. As for Keisha and Sinclair, I'm okay with this. I'm very, very happy and excited to see this happen. Um, 
and I can't wait to see where this goes. The next note I had um, pertains to Monica and Christopher's performances of um, Yona and Hawk. Um, like I said before, is I'm gonna need more adjusting time for those two. Um, though I do think that they're both going in a, a good direction. It's just, it's probably just because it's two voice actors I did not expect to take on these roles. Even though with Sabbath's case with Hawk, it's more really predictable. I was kind of hoping he wasn't gonna go that route. I think it's gonna take more adjustment time to really have a come full fruition and see what happens from there. But I think um, it's going good for these two so far. And I think the um, the relationship between these two, guys, that is one of the big things in this show, is the relationship between Yona and Hawk. Um, even though it's slightly, technically, it's a love triangle. I think the relationship between these two, because there is one moment um, that we have between the two, it's gonna, it's it's going in a good direction. Um, and the comedic moments are doing rather well. It's great. I'm excited about it. But um, it's gonna take a little bit of time to adjust and um, get adjust between the Japanese and then hearing the English from these two. So for me, Monica and and Christopher unfortunately are the weaker ones of this of this um, initial episode. However, um, Vale and Chapin are definitely the standouts for me so far. I feel like those two are doing really well with it, uh, with um, Shinha and Yoon. Like I said before, uh, Vale is definitely a lot more softer than usual, um, which is similar to Yuki's Still in Manfred's Basket, but not as much because at least Yuki is not timid as a mouse. Well, I just realized that was a weird bit of irony in Wow. Never mind. So I feel like Vale's doing perfectly fine here. Um, Sinclair um, kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Tatsumi from Shiki. Uh, at least the vocal range and the tone we have going on. Except Gija is definitely a lot more sillier than Tatsumi, because Tatsumi will just be a really rather silly idiot for the sake of hiding his true character. Gija, not so much. Gija is naturally silly at some points, and I think Sinclair is playing with that rather well. The only other thing um, I have written down is because we have not heard Solosad yet. We won't hear Solosad, I think, for another episode or two. Um, because there's a two-part-ish episode, I think, directly after the Shinha um, episodes with uh, Su Won as the major feature. Um, so I can't judge his performance quite yet, obviously, because I haven't heard him at all. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that. Um, but overall, I definitely think Yona is going in a good direction. Again, some of them are going to need some adjustment period time for me. Um, though I am really glad that it's particularly mostly veterans coming in here, and I think Chapin is really the only newbie, and Solsad, I don't want to call him that much of a newbie anymore, because he's been around for years at this point. Um, but it's mostly veterans coming into play here and Chapin. So <laughs> I think this is going to be pretty solid, and I'm very excited to see where this goes. I may continue watching the broadcast dub again just to keep hearing that and just to see what's going to come out of it, even though I'm going to be finishing Yona. Um, very very soon anyway. So the last show I'm talking about I'm gonna talk about today is uh, Maria the Virgin Witch. This one is definitely an interesting one. It's also fairly small um, in terms of announcement, but with this announcement came some interesting results. Um, first we have ADR director and scriptwriter. There's no assistant hanging out on this one. I did not expect either of these to come, people to come into this. The ADR director is Sunny Straight, and the scriptwriter is Patrick Seitz. Oh my lord, I'm excited about this. Um, cause... Sunny, he has some directing credits under his belt. Mostly in the way of Lupin stuff that he did for Funimation. Those are the things, that's the biggest thing that, um, directing-wise that he's done. But he's also done, um, some directing for Dragon Ball Z, uh, as well as assisting, um, ADR director for the original Full Metal Alchemist, as well as Orin High School Hulse Club. So, this was definitely um, different. Because I think it's one of the first shows that he's directed, that that he's the full-fledged director for, that isn't Lupin. So it'll be fun and interesting to see that come up. And as for Patrick Seitz as scriptwriter, I feel like this is something that's really up his alley. Because um, looking at scriptwriting like, script stuff, he has quite a few. But some of the prominent ones um, would be Blaze Blue After Memory is a big one because that was recently announced and he's taking on both script writing and directing for this one. He took on Deadman Wonderland, 
Um, he took on Ghost in the Shell Arise. He took on... He did the script for Hitalia, the Beautiful World. Um, as well as uh, Monst Monsters, the big one here. Um, which makes me put my faith in Patrick Seitz and his script writing work because I love Monster Pieces, so I feel like this is gonna be perfect. The script is perfect, gonna be perfectly fine. Because he also did Summer Wars and he also did Wolf's Children's scripts. He also did some scripts, uh, he did some of those for Space Dandy. So he's done some pretty big name projects, but I think Monster is the big one that indicates to me that he's gonna be perfectly fine with the script here. I have no issues here. I'm, I've yet to really see anything that, um, has been directed by Sunny Strait, so this is going to be a lot of fun for me to see um, going into the um, dub for this one. Moving on to the actual casting, um, the first one that we have, because um, how they separated it, they have the main cast and then a few of other members of the cast, so they put in two different sections um, in the announcement. So going backwards, I'm starting with Galfa, um, who is a mercenary. Um, that we follow all around quite a bit. Um, he's one of, I kind of consider him a major character, considering some of the plot elements, but he's not, but others probably don't see him as that. Gyalfa, I have three predictions, and they are very, very different from each other. Um, Gyalfa, I was thinking either Ian Sinclair, Mike McFarland, or Eric Vale. Though mostly I was pegging Sinclair because I felt it would be a pretty good fit. McFarlane was my second choice, but I, I felt like his vocal quality would not match up well. And uh, at the same time, he is rather busy um, with dealing with Tokyo Ghoul and all that stuff. And then Eric Vale, stereotypical, slightly asshole-ish character. Hey Eric, you want to voice that one? It, it, that's kind of the big reason why I put him here, but it was... I didn't feel like it was going to happen, so I was thinking Sinclair was going to get it. But instead, we have Chris Rager, Rager, Chris Rager, Rager, who, who has voiced quite a few things, but mostly things that I don't really know about, and it's mostly minor roles that he's done. Um, but probably the big thing he's done, he's done a lot of Dragon Ball Z as either Hercule, uh, Mr. Satan, or... Uh, Android 14. He's done quite a few things for Dragon Ball Z. Um, but probably the, the big thing that I know him for um, is actually One Piece as Arlong. From what I can remember of how Arlong is portrayed, I feel like it's going to be an interesting fit for Galfa or Garfa, however friggy they're planning to pronounce it. Um, I'm not 100% sure if it's going to work, um, but it's definitely going to be interesting. Uh, to see how this goes. Um, the next one that was announced was Archangel Mikhail, um, whom, again, Archangel Mikhail, he's, he's initially the person who, um, sets this restriction on Maria, um, that if she loses her virginity, she loses her magical powers. I did not have a prediction for my, for Mikhail, uh, for Archangel Mikhail, Michael, I don't know how they're pronouncing shit for this, cause, um, takes place in France, but the likelihood of him keeping that, I don't know. Um, so the person who's voicing Michael, the Archangel, is actually Caitlin Glass, um, which is interesting because I didn't look up who's the Seiyu for Michael, but I feel like more than likely it's possible that it's a female voice actor, female Seiyu taking on the role. So it makes sense to have a female voice actress taking on the role again. Um, and Caitlin, I think she's going to be fine with it. She will have to obviously deepen her tone of voice to make it fit. Um, since Michael is supposedly more, um, male, but can be slightly androgynous. Um, so it'll be interesting to see that happen. Um, next is Bernard. Uh, Bernard is, um, the head monk, if I remember correctly, uh, in the local monastery nearby, um, the village where Maria, uh, lives. I had two rather interesting predictions here. Um, I put down J. Michael Tatum as one and David Matronga as the other. Um, Tatum, I felt like, because of what I can tell from Bernard's character, I felt like Tatum would be a good fit um, there. And then seeing more recent episodes, um, since I'm caught up on that now on the Samuel cast, and seeing some of the crap that Bernard does, holy crap, oh man. 
I wanted, I kind of wanted to see what Tatum would do with that. And then I also thought David Matronga would be pretty good, because he's he's a bit more, because Matronga is mostly more soft-spoken, but can be re that rather tough person. So seeing that come in for Bernard would have been really interesting and fun to see. However, I'm interested to see what's going to happen here, because it's Sunny Straight taking on Bernard. I can imagine slightly, like, more Lupin in vocal quality, like the Lupin that I saw from um, Lupin the Third, Woman of Fuji Meeting. I feel like that could work, that might be the direction he heads towards. It's definitely not an Usopp from One Piece, it's definitely not a Koro-sensei from Assassination Classroom. I feel like that's more of what we're looking at here. The last character from the, um, at least the secondary casting that they had split them into, um, was Anne. She's the little girl, um, who really, really likes Maria. Um, and visit her, and she thinks that Maria, Maria is a um, really, really nice person, and for helping her grandmother Martha. Um, I had one and only prediction, and ironically enough, this is one of two that I actually kind of got right. So the person who's playing Anne, um, the reason why I picked her was based on another announcement from another broadcast that we have talked about previously, um, and. That is for Hinami from Tokyo Ghoul. Obviously that means it's Laura Woodhull coming as Anne. Based on what I had seen from Hinami and what Laura Woodhull came up with, um, because I knew the because I knew obviously these announcements were coming up, I felt that when I got to Anne, Woodhull would probably be the only one who's capable of pulling this one off. I think it's gonna work really fine here. Obviously Anne is much younger than Hinami. Um, so it's around more of an age, like, um, I think she played Yuki from Wolfchum, the younger version of her. So I think that's the direction it's gonna happen here with Anne. Um, though I was not too fond of it, um, I think it's with Sunny Straight, based on what I know so far of him and his work, which is barely nothing, directorial-wise, um, I think he's gonna push her in a good direction with it, so I'm perfectly fine there with it. So now we've reached the main cast, quote-unquote, that they, um, put together. Um, and first on that list is Joseph. Joseph is um, this young vessel uh, for a local um, girl, I believe. And um, he actually has feelings for Maria. And I had two predictions of how this could go um, for Joseph. I had initially picked Josh Greeley and Clifford Chapman to come in on this one. Initially I was just like, Josh Greeley, why not? He's pretty cool. But Chapman has been proving me wrong a bit, so that's why I threw him in as a second choice. And I felt like either one of them could do really well with Joseph. However, I'm not too disappointed with this choice based on what I've seen with him recently. Because Austin Tindall's coming in as Joseph. And the reason why, and you know how bef and I think before, in the last Dub Talk episode, or even the previous one, where I talked about Defrag, the only thing I had known him for at the time was, um, Guilty Crown and Shoot. And I was not fond of that one. Since then, he's been proving me wrong, like, so much. Um, the trailer I saw for Defrag a few weeks ago, um, I think, um, Kenji Kazuma, that's going in a, in a good direction. Um, his role of Kaneki in Tokyo Ghoul, that is going in a good direction, though I'm worried about going back to season one. That's my only fear on that one. His role is Karma in Assassination Classroom. I think that's wonderful right now. He's actually um, one a minor character in Kamisama Kiss. He plays one of the uh, Shikigamis uh, belonging to uh, Kirihito, who's played by Brendan Potter. And I think that's going fine. So he's slowly proving me wrong here, based on my initial, like, oh my god, I don't really like Shu, I don't really like Karma. He's proving me wrong here. He's proven me wrong so far. I think it's gonna happen here again with Joseph um, in this show. And I think we're gonna be having something different. Definitely something different than what I had seen him do so far this season. And I am very excited to see where this is gonna go. The next one to come in, Ezekiel. 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 This thing. Um, <laughs> names. I'm sorry. It's weird. Um, who, she is the, um, Basically, um, Archangel Mikael's eyes and ears in order to keep track of Maria. Um, and she's also referred to as Miss Dubby um, at times. I have three predictions for this one. I was thinking it was either going to be Jade Saxon, Alexis Tipton, or Bryn Um All three of them are different. Um, all three of them would have done really well with this, I feel. However, um, I don't mind uh, who 
who ended up here, and it's Leah Clark. Uh, Leah Clark is taking on this role, and um, I believe this is the first time we're actually talking about her here. Um, Cause she has done Baka and Test, Saki Morami from Eden of the East. So she's the lead female character from Eden of the East. Murmur from Future Diary. I forgot which one that is, but um, there's that. There is. She is original. She was originally Kobe um, in the Funimation dub of One Piece before we got TH Kobe and Mega Soul taking over, as well as Miss Double Finger um, for during the Alabasta arc. She's also Chiaya uh, for Rolling Girls, so she's not, this isn't the only dub she's doing this season. She's also um, part of the class, E-class for Assassination Classroom. Um, we just previously talked about that. Um, so she's done a lot. Uh, she's done quite a few things. And considering how young Ezekiel is, I think this was going to fit really well. Um, and I'm very excited to see what comes out of it. Next is... Oh, good lord, I'm not... I, I this name, man. Uh, Priapus? Priapus? Fuck if I... Forget what I know. Um, Priapus. That's the name I'm going with. Um, Priapus, who, um, is one of, um, Maria's familiars. He is a incubus. Um, and he, who is an owl. Um, and I had two possible predictions here. I, I picked either Josh Greeley or Joe McDonald here. Because I felt that, again, this is one where I feel that either one of them could have worked. Though Greeley was my initial pick here, um, compared to Joseph. Because I felt that Greeley could have a lot more fun with this character, considering some of the things that uh, Priapus goes through um, in the show. We have neither of those coming in here. Instead, we have Jerry Jewell. I don't know how this is going to go. I'm very curious about it. It's very interesting to see this happen. And I'm very curious to know how Jerry is going to pull this one off. I feel like it's possible, it's just going to be very, very different um, than what I've seen. Because with this character, I definitely felt like more of a Greeley was going to happen. So I, yeah, I'm very interested to see how this one's going to go. We have two more. We have Artemis. Artemis is the first one. Um, she is the succubus. Um, succubus and uh, another familiar of Maria's who's been with her the longest. I only had one prediction initially, and it was Jamie Markey. I felt like it was gonna be a classic Jamie Markey role. I felt like it was gonna be perfectly fine um, with Artemis' mannerisms and all that stuff. Obviously, I'm wrong. Instead, we have coming in is Whitney Rogers. Um, Whitney Rogers is still fairly new. I think she's probably one of the more fresh um, voice actors out of this cast announcement. Um, some of the things she's done so far, she is also in another, um, one or two other dubs this season. She's doing Absolute Duo uh, for the broadcast dubs. She was recently announced as um, Chito Say for Defrag, which kind, which I don't think sounds too badly based on the trailer um, I saw, but there wasn't much for her to say in that trailer, so I can't tell too much. She also did Hanagi, and then the rest are um, either shows that I have never heard of before, um, or things that I've yet to see, or minor roles. She doesn't, she doesn't have a lot under her belt. And um, so I'm very interested here again as well to see what's going to happen. I can only say so much because I don't know much about Whitney Rogers and her work because um, I haven't seen anything I don't think with her in it yet. This is going to be the first thing I ever see her do. So I am very curious to see what's going to happen here. So last we have Maria, our title character, obviously. Um, and for here I had two predictions, one of which was actually correct, so we'll get to that in a second. Um, one of my predictions was Kate Oxley. Kate Oxley, I don't know extremely much about. Um, the reason why I picked her for Maria was her performance of Akane for um, Psychopaths. Because I felt that her performance there would, trans would be something similar and can translate rather well into Maria. So that was my first instinct when looking at it. Because I wanted to think outside of the box a little bit. With it, and then, um, and then Alexis Tipton came in. She's my other prediction for Maria. I'm excited to see where this is gonna go, because Maria is definitely very different than all the other Tipton roles that I've seen of her, seen her do so far. I mean, just looking at um, Maria and Kreha from Yurikuma, these are two completely different characters here. Um, they can, they both have their tough moments, but like vocally, vocal-wise, two completely different things. So to see Tipton playing Maria is going to be very interesting for me. I'm um, actually rather excited to see how this goes. At the time I recorded this anyway, I haven't seen the broadcast dub of Maria the Virgin Witch, 
Um, well, I think someone else has. Uh, I think Future Me has got it covered. So yeah, hey Future Me, you got this covered now. <laughs> totally, I can take on these impressions of Mario, but I'm over here. Whatever. Okay, first impressions on the broadcast of Mario. Um, first and foremost, uh, there are some um, people who were cast that we did not get to hear today in, uh, in the first episode. Um, those being Leah Clark, Sunny Strait being the two big ones. Um, Jerry Jewell and Caitlin Glass, kind of. Um, with Caitlin, she only had one word at the end of the episode, and I was just saying Maria or Maria's name. Um, and then Jerry Jewell, he's not in the episode, however he's in the episode preview at the end, and he just had one sentence, so it's hard to judge on both of them. I was instantly also sold on uh, Laura Woodhall's Anne. Uh, just within the few minutes she was there, because uh, she's in the beginning part of the episode uh, with her and her mother going to visit uh, Maria. I think that it was great, it was definitely a perfect fit, and I'm very excited to see more of her. Slight flip side of it though, um, with Tyndall's performance as Joseph, it did take a little bit um, for me to get through it. In the beginning when he shows up and he's talking with Maria, it was a little bit awkward uh, at points, some of the vocal work. Uh, possibly, it's possibly probably because of the awkward relationship that kind of starts out between Joseph and Maria, which makes some sense. But um, by the end of the episode, I was a lot more um, relaxed about it, more confident about it. Um, Tyndall's work as Joseph. It just took a minute because that beginning scene between him and between Joseph and Maria was a little bit weird for me. Accents and dialects, because with this, there's no French accent. Um, for any of the characters who are from France. So Maria doesn't have one, Joseph obviously doesn't have one, many of the characters don't have one, but any of the characters who are from England do have um, an English accent. So many of the soldiers you'll hear this throughout um, the episode have an English accent. Viv is a prominent one we get one for, because uh, she does appear in this episode. But any of the characters from France, we don't get, have an accent. However, what we do get is some words and phrases uh, in French that are spoken in French. So um, whether it's greetings, um, short little things like n'est-ce pas, uh, different little uh, French phrases and things like that, uh, those are in there and I'm very happy to see that. I don't recall um, that happening with the Japanese, so I'm really excited to see um, this coming through uh, for the uh, English version of it, because I think it brings it a little bit more to the show. And speaking of Viv, it's very difficult to tell who's playing her, and um, because I am recording this like several hours afterwards, I don't know if um, anything has been updated yet as to who is playing Viv, um, but I did have a prediction for her, and it may or may not be who it is. Initially, before the cast announcement, my prediction was going to be Brina Palencia. And by the sounds of it, it kind of sounds like it could be Brina. Um, some of that accent work that's in there kind of sounds like CL from Black Butler to an extent, except in more female version. But I won't know until I hear more about it. Rager's Galfa. Um, it wasn't bad, but it kind of sounds a lot older than I thought it was going to be. Um, it doesn't help that Rager. Rager Rider names. It doesn't help that he is older than what Galfa would be. Galfa, I would think, would be uh, late 20s, between late 20s to mid 30s. I think that's the age gap I would think it would be around. Um, and Rager is much older. This, so again, this is a weird one, similar to Sabbath and Hawk, where um, it seems a little bit too old for him. But it took, it's, it's probably going to take. Um, a little bit of time to adjust to it. I mean, I think it's definitely going in a good direction. It's just going to take a little bit of time for me to work with it more and to see how everything goes. Alexis Tipton's Maria is definitely after a great start, though I did kind of write down that I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more maturity because um, Maria kind of seems a bit more mature. However, it, some of the um, slightly oblivious, more um, virgin-type moments that were in the episode, it, Alexis managed to make them work really well. So. I kind of have mixed feelings on it, but I feel like in the end it's going to work really well for Alexis. Um, it's just, it just seems like Maria is a slightly older than um, what a Tipton sounds like right now. However, I think it's definitely doing very well. And my last major note that I had 
was that the scripting and direction for the first episode was rather solid. I mean, I mentioned with some of the scripting choices, uh, the English accents for direction, and uh, I use uh, French words and phrases for um, scripting-wise, and some of the languages and the dialect. It definitely help. It's definitely more um, time period. It it definitely helps it a lot more. Um, and I'm very happy to see this, and it gives me a lot of confidence. Um, I knew. Uh, that script is gonna be fine. Uh, Patrick says knows what he's doing. Since Sunny, this is the first thing I've seen Sunny straight direct. Um, it, this first episode gives me more confidence that's gonna be um, going very well. It's definitely going in a great direction. Overall, I would have to say that um, the Maria dub, out of the three from today's dub talk video, is my favorite. Uh, with Yona probably as my second favorite uh, because because of the scripting, because of directing, because of the use of those dialects and making it fit within that time period. And the majority of the cast, um, for me and Maria, was definitely the best that I had seen out of the three. Uh, there is obviously room to grow um, from here on out. Uh, this isn't my favorite dub of the entire season uh, from broadcast dubs. I mean, Death Parade is kicking a lot of butt right now for me, uh, regardless. But it's definitely doing very well. It's going in a very solid and wonderful direction, and I'm very excited to see where it's going to go from here. Because uh, I may keep up with this one even after I finish watching the show uh, next week, depending on when this comes out. And yeah, uh, that's my little impressions on the dub. So uh, I guess the uh, old, uh, older me can. Um, finish up the video from here, I guess. <laughs> Thanks, future me. I love you. Bye. You know I'm over here, right? So those are my thoughts on the dub announcements and as well as my impressions for uh, Yorikuma, Yona, and Maria. If you have your own thoughts about the show, the dub announcements as well as your impressions on them, please let me know in the comments below. Before I go, I do want to announce one other thing. As some people may know, I currently am not doing my impression series uh, mostly for the sake of time and getting stuff done. No, I'm not bringing it back quite yet. Hold on. I kind of just actually want to announce that um, I'm still doing seasonal stuff, but for another blog, Infinite Rainy Day. Uh, and I actually have already got my assignments for the spring season, in case people are kind of interested in um, what I'm actually covering for the next season. Because the winter season, my main ones that I've been covering were um, Yetterman Night, Rolling Girls, and World Break, but I already dropped World Break, so I'm down to two. Um, but with this spring season, I'm actually going to be given five shows, um, and they may change depending on availability of all the other ones between other staff members. So I just really quickly wanted to mention which ones that, for now, I've been assigned, in case you're interested in seeing what's going to come up with them. So I have, for mine, uh, Rainy Coco. Is it wrong to try and pick up girls in a dungeon? <laughs> Kyokai no Rin. And um, two that I did not expect that I was going to be getting. Um, but for some reason, random.org was very nice to me this season. I am going to be, as far as I know of right now, I am going to be covering Digimon Adventure Try and the new Lupana 3rd series. So those are the five that I've been given as of now. Um, there may be shift shifting around once the season starts, but um, those are basically the ones I am looking at. Um, if you are interested in our winter season coverage, you can check that out right now. I'll leave a link in the description. Because as of now, we should be doing a final winter report fairly soon in the next few weeks, as soon as all of these shows finish. And then probably a week or two after that will be the start of the spring season, uh, once we get those ones started. Yeah, if you're interested in taking a look at the seasonal reports from Rainy Day right now, there will be a link in the description to check them out. Um, I think that's about everything. I just really wanted to announce it because I was so excited that I got Digimon and Lupin. I don't know how that happened. I thought I was going to end up... They were going to go somewhere else. But yeah, I'm excited about it. I just hope I get to keep them. Um, <laughs> we'll see how the thing goes. That should be everything for today. So until next time, Otaku on my friends. Mm -hmm.